Plus. While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. And I'm Chris. Uh, so we've got a we've got a, a big show for you tonight, as we do every night. We have Ted Nisi from Channel 12, WPRI at 830. Um, but we're going to start the program with Laura Gardner, candidate for Fairhaven School Committee. Hi, Laura. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. So before we get started uh, on the issues, uh, if you'd like to um, just take a minute to introduce yourself to the audience and tell us why you're running for Fairhaven School Committee. Thanks. So I have been a Fairhaven resident since 2007. When I first moved here, I was actually the children's librarian at the Millicent Library. Some of you may have remembered me from that. I actually kissed a goat one summer. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, do anything for kids reading. And uh, since then, I've actually been the librarian at Dartmouth Middle School, where I've been for 14 years and I love my job. I love my students. Um, I'm also a mom of two kids ages nine and 11. And I'm running for school committee because I love books and I want more books in our schools. And um, Fairhaven currently doesn't have any school librarians. And to my knowledge, Hi. yeah, and, and not a single one in the whole district. And classroom teachers also don't get a budget for purchasing books for their classroom libraries. So Kids in Fairhaven don't have access to as many books in their classrooms and in their school libraries, which the, the libraries do exist in three of the four schools, but no librarian is there to staff it. Um, and I just don't think that's fair. I think it's really inequitable. Just two towns away it's in weird. my town. Yeah, it's weird. Right. So just two towns away in Dartmouth, where I teach, I have a library kind of, of- embarrassing, actually. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I have a library of 10,000 books. And, and yeah, I get a budget every year to buy new books and I'm able to book talk those to the kids and get them in their hands. Um, and I have kids in the school system and I know that that's, that's not happening. It shouldn't be on our teachers to fund those 100%. classroom libraries. That's not fair to the teaching staff. Um, so that's the main reason I'm running, but I, I mean, I have other reasons too. I really care about civic education. I wanna be involved in what's going on. At, for the eighth grade civics project and the high school civics projects that are required by the state of Massachusetts. That's kind of new. Right. Um, I've been involved in that at Dartmouth Middle School. I think it's really important to get our young people involved in civics and to teach them the importance of um, our democracy and how to you know, register to vote when they're in high school and, and all of those kinds of things. So those are, those are some of the reasons why I'm running. So um, just to, there's a few things to unpack there, but I want to go back to the point of not having a school librarian uh, as a school librarian what are the advantages of having one so i mean i love my job the main reason i love my job is that i get to talk about books and put books in the hands of kids day in day out every single day i mean i have kids who come in right at 7 30 because they want the next book in the series um i have kids who are there all day long just grabbing books off the shelf and checking them out and it's the access of books throughout the entire day, it's really important. But librarians do much more than just purchase and check out books. Like today I was teaching 
lessons on how to evaluate information. We all know that there's a lot of misinformation out there on the internet, especially, and on social media. And librarians are uniquely trained to teach how to evaluate information and how to make sure that you're getting the very best information. Um, and that's something that's only bec become more important as the internet has gotten bigger. We're speaking with Laura Gardner. She's a candidate for Fairhaven School Committee. So um, you talked about the uh, civics program for eighth grade and high school as a requirement for graduation. I'm unfamiliar with that. Um, can you talk about that? Sure. So the Massachusetts um, Department of Elementary and Secondary Education Desi. made it, Desi, exactly, yeah. made it a requirement that every student in Massachusetts complete an eighth grade civics project as well as a civics project in high school. And it can be an individual project or it can be one done with their peers or a whole class but it's supposed to be student-led based on their own interests. So they're supposed to learn about the process of identifying a problem in the community and then coming up with a solution and implementing it from beginning to end. Um, and I think it's a really powerful way to get kids involved in their community and for them to realize that civics is, is actually about more than just voting and running for office. It's also are you volunteering? Are you, um, you know, involved in various committees in town? Do you write to your politicians when there's a problem? You know, that's something I've been working on with my own children. Um, I have two kids who are fierce animal activists. They are vegetarian and vegan, respectively. Wow. Yeah, my 11-year-old has been vegan for over two years, totally by his own choice. Um, and they got upset about something they saw that, in a magazine. That's a really conscientious choice for a nine-year-old to make. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. He's a really special kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so he saw something in a magazine that's been bothering him for a while. It's all about Ask a Zookeeper. And he doesn't like zoos. He thinks that zoos are inhumane in general. And so he... Um, he you know, wanted Would you to, like to go hunting with me one of these days? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and again, but this is, you know, his personal, his personal feeling. So I encouraged him to write in to the magazine and say that maybe they could ask a wildlife expert one month instead um, and just, you know, to change it up a little bit. So um, I just encourage my students and my own children to um, notice the things that they wish would change and then take steps to speak up about it that you know, even kids have a voice. And in fact, kids' voices can be very powerful um, because it's not very often that kids actually do speak up for things. And so when they do, people notice. Sure. So, um, so Laura, um, talk about some of the other things that you might want to change or, or maybe increase the funding for, things that are working at the school. Well, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, so I mean, definitely anything that's going to put more books in the hands of kids. But like I'm that. also a really big fan of... Um, some of these non-academic skills that I think a lot of kids need. So mm -hmm. personal finance. I think we need personal finance um, classes at the high school level. I think that's really important. Yep. There's a lot of things going on with um, you know kids getting into debt, and I'm hearing that gambling is a really huge problem. I think you're right. um, you know things got legalized that maybe shouldn't have been, and now yep. some kids, as soon as they turn 18, they're getting themselves in a whole bunch of trouble. So I think we need to get smart about some of this stuff and just be honest um, with kids. Like this, this is something that could get you down a path you don't want to go down. Right. Um, I, I'm always a big fan of teaching digital literacy skills. You know, I think that's a curriculum that is really important. So definitely, 
you know, keeping funding for that, where we just teach kids about the importance of evaluating information and being safe online and um, understanding ways that they can protect themselves. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, I think that I'm really excited about the new, I was watching in the school committee meeting on March 8th, they have a new AP capstone, senior capstone project that they're doing. I think that's awesome. It's a senior research project. And in order to do that well, guess what you need? You need a good school librarian. Right, right. And you're going to need databases and you're going to need resources to support that research. So students at the high school level and the teachers teaching those classes are going to need support for that program to be successful. But I think it's a really critical program. So Laura, again, keep. I'm really actually embarrassed about this, this school library, lack of school librarians. I didn't know. I don't have children in the schools. Um, what what have you learned? Why is that the case? Is it merely funding? Because that's something you can fix. Maybe people don't like it, but what's the thought process here? Do you or is there none? You know, it's one person in a building, and so it's it. Sometimes people think like, oh, is it really that important? Or um, they might think like, we could just have a teaching assistant instead because all they do is check out books. So sometimes it's a it's a misunderstanding of what the role is. Okay, um, and sometimes it's that it's not properly evaluated when they have had that person in the role and so they didn't, didn't know what a good librarian looked like perhaps. Okay. Um, but you know, I, it happens all over the state. This is a position that frequently gets cut, just like arts programs and music programs and things like that. It's like one of the first things on the chopping block. And I just like to say, why can't we have nice things? Like, you know, <laughs> why can't we have nice things like other towns that have right. school librarians and strong music programs? Like, I think we can. I, I totally agree with you. That's really quite embarrassing. I, I have to say, I keep repeating it because I'm st I'm shocked by it. I, that, that's amazing to me. Speaking of funding priorities, um, so I uh, I grew up in Fairhaven. I went through the public school system in elementary school. Went to private school afterwards. But my uh, my brother went to uh, public uh, school in Fairhaven throughout his 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 uh, educational experience. And one of the primary issues that we were always dealing with is um, getting uh, an IEP. Uh, he, he required special education services. He's, uh, he's on the spectrum. Um, so what is your position on uh, Fairhaven, the current state of Fairhaven's special education services, and how would you advocate for uh, an expansion of that? Because I think no matter what, no matter how good they are, I think everybody agrees that special education services throughout the Commonwealth can, can definitely be approved, uh, improved upon. I couldn't agree more. So um, I have experienced special education services as a parent as well. And I, I have a child on the spectrum. And, you know, I, I really think that it, it's all about the teacher. It's all about the quality of that main teacher in the classroom. And we had some teachers who just really got it with my kid. And we had some teachers who, who had a harder time. Um, and I don't know, you know, if that's support or if that's professional development. Um, but the IEP process, it's, it's hard. And yeah. I, I sympathize with parents who go through that and with their kids who are going through that because it is really difficult. Um, you know, I think that we can always, we always have room for improvement. There's always a way to, um, do better at that. And I, I definitely want to be an advocate for those parents because I've been through it myself and I know, I know how difficult it can be. Speaking with Laura Gardner, she's a candidate for Fairhaven School Committee. Um, so uh, we've talked about, you know, you, 
the need for a librarian in the Fairhaven uh, Public Schools. We've talked about uh, special education services. We've talked about uh, making students more civically engaged. Um, where, what other areas are you focused on during your campaign? So I've done some listening sessions with parents and I've been going door to door and meeting some of the voters. And um, one thing that just keeps coming up is the fact that we are losing teachers especially like high quality teachers at the high school level. Um, and I know that this is, as I said in the school committee, like a national problem, it's happening everywhere, but it seems to be happening in Fairhaven at a bit of a higher rate than it's happening some other places. Mm -hmm. um, and I, so I think we need to dig in on why that is. There was a Standard Times article about this recently. And I think that rather than just throw our hands up and say, we're doing our best, we really need to look at those exit surveys and we really need to look at the data that says, hey, we have the lowest average salary on the South Coast. Like I looked it up on the Desi website and we do wow. in Fairhaven. Um, and that's that's a problem. Like that's something that we should definitely consider. There are a lot of teachers who stay in Fairhaven because they live here and they're like Fairhaven forever. But, um, you know, if you're if you're motivated by a salary somewhere else, or if it's because you're not feeling appreciated at work, I, I haven't seen the exit surveys, but I, I'm really eager to find out what people have been saying as they decide to leave the high school in particular. So Laura, um, when you get on the school committee, uh, assuming you do, and I, I wish you well, um, one of the trends in the, in the state we're seeing, unfortunately, is where certain school committee members or, or boards in general will not negotiate in good faith, which then ultimately triggers a, a wildcat strike by the teachers, which I think is a failure of leadership on both sides. But the reality is, is as a school committee member, you'll have a lot more power over the teachers because they're barred from striking, unlike, say, the Teamsters in the private sector. With that in mind, how, do you, how will you negotiate with, with the teachers? Will you negotiate in good faith and understand that they can't strike, and because they can't strike, you have the power over them, and that you have to be able to respect your outsized power, if you understand what I mean. Uh, your thoughts? I mean, absolutely. I'm, I'm, a te I'm a teacher, and we are currently working without a contract in Dartmouth, so you know. where I'm a teacher. I, I know what this is like. Um, and you Oh, know, yeah. You, you go, drive through Dartmouth, you see all those signs, we support Dartmouth teachers. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in Dartmouth, the main situation is that our health insurance um, split is really terrible. You know, mm -hmm. it's 55-45, which is the worst on the South That's Coast. That's egregious. Yeah. yeah, it really is. I mean, I was actually comparing with a Fairhaven educator and I pay about $100 a week more for my family pan in Dartmouth than Horrendous. they do in Fairhaven. So honestly, if you put the insurance package in there with the salary, Dartmouth might be paying their educators worse. I don't know. I'd um, have to do the numbers. So should we recruit from Dartmouth? I mean, I think we need to get creative. Let's right. be honest. Like, no, I agree with you. You should, you should be creative about the fact that, yeah, we're, we're, we're losing some people and we want to keep some people. Like, what can we do? What can we offer? What do we have? So I appreciate that you pointed out it's a national problem, but also that it's got to be handled locally. Because whenever I hear someone say it's a national problem, I always think it's a cop-out, right? You didn't say that. You said it's a national problem, but we've got to handle it locally. And I appreciate that because you can make changes locally. Absolutely. Yes. So it sounds like you've been doing a lot of the retail campaigning um, that you're supposed to do in a local campaign. Uh, so to that point, I um, saw a picture of you on Instagram with newly elected uh, Sheriff Paul Harreau. How did that uh, relationship come about and how did you earn his endorsement? So um, I was involved in Harreau's campaign. Um, I, I 
had a party at my house actually um, in the backyard to um, you know fundraise and get the word out about his campaign with my neighbors and we had about 20 to 25 people there um, so got to know him through that and since then we've been chatting back and forth and um, I was actually on the uh, New Bedford Dems uh, Zoom in early March to speak about something related to um, the advocacy climate change organization that I run locally um, called Climate Reality Massachusetts South Coast. And at the end of my presentation, I said, by the way, I'm running for school committee in Fairhaven. And he said, wow, uh, you know, environmental activist and bookworm running for office. I can get behind that. So that was that was how that happened. A little bit off topic from your uh, campaign for school committee, but can you tell us more about that climate advocacy group? Sure. And I think this speaks to my leadership qualities and um, organizational abilities. So back in 2019. Fantastic pivot. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, back in 2019, I attended the climate reality training um, that was given by Al Gore and um, became a climate reality leader. And since then, I've been running a local volunteer advocacy group called Climate Reality Massachusetts South Coast. And basically we're advocating for renewable energy legislation locally, state, federal level um, that helps fight the climate crisis. And we advocate for local businesses to promise to go 100% renewable by 2030. Um, and you can find out more at climaterealitysouthcoast.com. But, um, you know, we've, we've been involved in a lot of different uh, organize, you know, events where we'll have like a table and we'll give out information and let people know about ways that can be more sustainable and break free from plastic and all those kinds of things. And um, we have a core group of like six who really like run things. But I have an email list of about 400 people who get a weekly newsletter from me about all sorts of things going on in the South Coast that relate to sustainability and going green and things like that. So cool. I'd like to sign up for that newsletter. Uh, I, I noticed your zippers are plastic on that jacket. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just want to point that out to you. Um, so, it's a horrible product, obviously. Um, so, very, you know, we're having fun with this, but the sad reality is today there was another school shooting. Um, the police did the right thing, but still six people, including three children, died. Um, I don't think it's that controversial in, in Fairhaven. Um, the police work really well with the schools. We have a great relationship with the, the police here in town, so we know that. They actually use some of the schools in the off time to train for the sad reality that this could be a sad reality. Your thoughts on working with the police, school resource officers, along that lens? So, I mean, I think it's a fantastic partnership for the most part. I mean, I... I I have a great relationship with the school resource officer in our school. He's a friend. Um, and, you know, I just I just feel so every time this happens, it's just the worst. Right. It's every teacher's nightmare. It's every parent's nightmare. It's every kid's nightmare. Every kid's nightmare. Right? That's a reality. I know. And it's not just not we just for the kids that. who are injured, but for every kid oh, who experiences it, it is a tr huge trauma. When they see it on television. Right. It's right? a trauma just to know what's happening. Yes. To be honest, it's really it's a it's. It's not okay. No, it's not. But locally, what can you do? I mean, locally, we have to continue our partnerships. But um, I think the most important thing is having staff who are trained and know what to do. Um, you know, having, having drills for students, I don't think that's the main priority. I think the main priority is training the staff really, really well. Totally agree. Because if students are going to listen to but their teachers. But not arming the staff. You're no, not an advocate for, never, oh, thank you. never, thank you. no. 
So, Laura, we appreciate the time that you've given us. Uh, I'm certainly impressed by your, your campaign plan, platform and your candidacy. Before um, uh, we let you go, is there anything else you want to leave the audience with? Anything that we might have missed? I don't really think there's anything we've missed. I just Do you have a really, website or something? Sorry? Do you have a website or something? I, I don't, but if Facebook you... Um, or? Yeah, if okay. you go to um, bit.ly forward slash LGardnerSC, that takes you to my Facebook page for my campaign. Um, and Or they can just look at Laura Gardner for school committee, yes, I'm sure, on Facebook. just look for Laura Gardner for school committee. Remember. But, um, you know, the main thing I want to leave people with is that I think we can have nice things in Fairhaven, and I think we can have more books. Oh, so you and your husband are... Or taxpayers here in the in the town, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Look, Laura, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Um, we're going to take this break, and then uh, Chris and I are going to do our thing. So thank you, Laura. We'll talk Gardner, about you when you candidate leave. Candidate for Faven School Committee. We're going to talk about it when you leave. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, I I really enjoyed her. She was, yeah, she was fantastic. She was nice. Yeah. Um, and um. We're voters, by the way. Yes, this was this was, yeah. this was this was productive for her. This was, yeah, it was yeah. Um, we have um. So Brian Monroe is going to be on tomorrow. Uh, he's an he's the incumbent. By the way, if we've reached out to you and you didn't get back to us, did please us? I we we know. Well, well, that's my whole thing. If I I, I, I can't do it. I don't have working organ systems, okay? If I've expressed an interest in you coming on the program yeah. and you didn't get back to me, then someone sorry, has to clean his blood. Right. For, <laughs> I go to him. I go to dialysis five hours, someone three has to days clean a week. His blood. Right. I live by machines. I'm Robocop for, for Christ's sake. <laughs> On my own sake, I guess. <laughs> Christ has nothing to do with well I, I shouldn't say that. But, so the um, very very informed um, uh, woman. Um, I like that she's a taxpayer. I like that she has children in school. Mm -hmm. I was saying to Marcus that off the air that I'm seeing a trend towards people without children trying to run for school committee, not necessarily in Fairhaven. I think that's weird. It depends. I mean, you no, know. No, it totally is weird. We've seen. You know, Why would you care if you don't have children in school? Josh Amaral ran in New Bedford. He was, you know, 19 years old. But he was, in, he clearly has children now. So you're saying, you should, well. <laughs> It'd be like me running for school committee. Those that the die is cast. I'm not going to have any kids. Why would I want to oversee the education of children? <laughs> Why to make a better world? <laughs> Why wouldn't I don't then, understand? <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. Oh boy, when you were a kid, oh, did any of your coaches not have children? Unless they were professional when coaches. When I was a kid, they were usually people's dads. My dad, yes, that, my dad was the my coach. dad too. But I'm saying that's usually the players, the players' dads. Yes, because they were involved parents. Yeah. If you just want to be on the school committee, you're either there to cut the budget, mm -hmm. or you're there for some other weird reason that that really probably has nothing to do with children. It has to do with your own agenda. Just my own suspicions about people. I think that if you don't have children in the community, it's a little weird to me. Yeah. You can make your case, and I'll certainly listen. I'd love to have it on the air. I'd love to have this conversation with one of those people. But I just think that, look, there's nothing wrong with wanting to cut the budget, but there are priorities as a school committee member. Well, I, th I think that, well, so, so to be clear, Laura Gardner does have children. That's what I said yeah, I yeah, like yeah. about her. I said, yeah. she has kids in the schools. Her and her husband are taxpayers. They're very involved people. Um, so I, I think she's a perfect candidate. I was, imp I was impressed. Again, yeah. we're voters. So Right. Yeah. 
I will be voting. I will be voting. Uh, well, God willing, I'll be voting. Yeah, right. <laughs> Same. Who knows? <laughs> uh, don't I know? <laughs> so, Marcus, we have a... Uh, but but I liked her quite a bit. I, I hope the other candidates make their way in. They uh, At least the other, at least two of them will. Two, two of the other candidates will. Perfect. Yeah, so we, we've got Steph pick up Friday at 8 p.m. And we've got Brian Monroe... Uh, tomorrow at 7. So looking forward to chatting with both of them. We also have the candidates for Dartmouth School Committee coming on. Um, we have uh, tomorrow we have Kathleen Amaral at 8. Uh, we have Erica Morenci uh, on Thursday. I have reached out to the other two or the other two are aware of how to contact me. And uh, if I hear back, I hear back. That's kind of how it goes. That's exactly so, how it um, so, and we also got, just if we're previewing everything this week, um, it's a good way to fill some air time. Right. <laughs> uh, we've got, uh, at 8.30, we've got Ted Nisi. He's Always be, interesting. He's going to be talking about... A, uh, a story he's make, uh, dropping tomorrow in the evening uh, about... Uh, voting. About voter turnout. Or lack of voter turnout. Or lack thereof, yeah. So, uh, we're, we're going to be talking with him at 8.30 tonight. Nine o'clock. I think is our time and space for talking about the ongoing saga of the ballot questions um, because there's some new developments today. We heard yes. Council President, uh, Council, sorry, not Council President, no. Councilor <laughs> Shane Burgo, uh, who's going to be, uh, who, who's, who's, who's going to be apparently, I think he's looking to uh, override all three of the vetoes on that, uh, on those, on those ballot questions. I agree with you. He's going head to head with the mayor. We're going to, do a deep dive into that in the uh, in the nine o'clock hour. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. It's Roll. Burgo versus Mitchell. That's what it's come down to. It's Burgo versus Mitchell. And uh, so we're going to we're going to do a deep dive into that in the um, in the nine o'clock hour, and we're going to talk all, uh, all about that. Uh, so you're going to take your calls, and we'll take your calls at 508-996-0500. That's how you can get on the program uh, this evening and forever until the end of time, uh, or until we change the number. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Marcus, the um, the school committee is such an important race. Well, so you know the school com- you know, school school departments actually, and just in terms of, and you know, not to break boil everything down to a dollars and cents thing, but but it does. But yeah, right. But you've you know you you know uh, you've you've run some big budgets as a select board member, selectman. We didn't have that foolishness of free time. in the nineties, right? Yeah, as a selectman, as a as a select man, um, I was a man. A and I had select been selected man, by the voters. select man. I was a man, Christopher McCarthy. I was a man. So, um, as a select man of the uh, Freetown uh, of Freetown, you you know you, you oversaw some budgets, and you so you know how much school budgets are, and uh, they're typically the biggest chunk of the budget in any town or city right absolutely and you know even in you see like uh gateway cities like new bedford the student opportunity act there's like 27 million uh coming in um well the difference there is that's state the state it's state money it's state money it's still taxpayers dollars there's still state money that comes in but it's not being raised by the taxpayers directly of the city of new bedford right so um you've got a little more flexibility there Mm -hmm. um Whereas in the towns, when the budgets get tight, you've got to go to an override. Yeah. You know? So that gives the, the voters 
much di- more direct say. Prop in exactly two and a half happened. override. Exactly right. So, Chris, the, it's always worth explaining what a prop, what proposition two and a half is, and what an override of proposition two and a half is, because Fairhaven's going to be facing that very soon. It's going to impact impact people like you and me and a lot of the audience. Sure, um, it it will um, have a direct impact on on everyone's life, both both. Um, Plus and negative. I mean, look, the reality of it is, is that I always have thought of approaching, and we did them in Freetown, Proposition 2.5 override. I think if you give enough information to the voters and you have credibility with the voters, they will do the right but thing. what is Proposition 2.5? So Prop 2.5 is a cap on property taxes. They can only be raised, the levy rate can only be raised 2.5%. Doesn't mean your individual bill can't be raised more than 2.5%. But overall, the whole levy of the town. So there's two kinds of overrides. There's a general override, which looks like Fairhaven's going to, which is forever and a day. Then you have a proposition two and a half override on the on for a specific project, say building a fire station, building a new school, something like that. Fall River uh, building the new Durfee, I think, is Fall a good River, example. They had to do one. Um, you have it. Um, most of the city cities don't have to do that because of the way the school building assistance fund is done. Mm. But, for instance, Fairhaven had to do it. Um, Freetown had to do it. And again, if you, I think if you present the case properly with enough of a runway for people to understand, it's when you have limited debate, limited conversation, people reflexively say, I don't trust the system. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. So I do think that the earlier you start, Explaining, giving people plenty of time to ask questions, as they're doing in Fairhaven. I think you come to the right decision. I think so. Uh, yeah, I, I think so as well. And that's something. Uh, there's going to be more developments on that that we'll talk about um, in future programs. Um, and because uh, it's bar- embargoed, so yeah, yeah. So I got to wait. It means I got to wait uh, to talk about stuff. But uh, we'll talk more about that. There'll be some news that you're going to be interested in hearing regarding that probably tomorrow. So um, 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program this evening. So Ted Nisi's got an interesting story. I just want people to understand this. While, while you see him doing a lot of Rhode Island stuff, this is, this is about Massachusetts elections. Well, specifically New Bedford. We're in the Providence media market. Right. Right. So, you know, we... But it's worth your attention to stick around. Right. But what I'm saying is... Ted Nisi in, in Providence, Rhode Island, is covering a lot of New Bedford. Right? He had, he had, He's one of the ones who's only covering. Yeah, right. right. He He's t- one of the few guys. He channel had, 10, Channel 12. Yeah, channel and 6. us. And us. Yeah, exactly. So 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. Uh, tell you what, let's, let's take a break now. We'll be right back. 1420 WBSM is now also on 99.5 FM. Five. The next disaster is coming. The time to get ready is now. Make a plan. Identify meetup locations and people you'll need to contact. Put your contact list in your wallet, on your phone, and somewhere visible in your home. Build a kit. Store enough food and water for three days. Don't forget your pets. And consider buying a pre-made kit. Keep at least seven days of medication on hand. Work with your pharmacist and insurance company to secure the extra doses. Make copies of important documents. Keep them on your phone, in the cloud, or on a USB stick. Stay informed. Learn about local hazards. Take courses in CPR and first aid. And sign up for local alert systems. 
An early warning can give you the time you need to prepare for a fast-moving disaster. Be ready. Learn more at americares.org slash send us in. Pollution from trucks is a public health crisis. Diesel-burning trucks belch dangerous levels of pollution. And communities living near ports and along freight corridors breathe especially high levels of this dirty air. But this crisis has a solution. My name is Sasan Sadat, and I work for Earth Justice. I'm working to clean up our air quality, particularly for communities that bear the burden of diesel pollution. For the sake of our lungs, our health, and our climate, the future of trucking in this country has got to be zero emissions. Until then, I will never rest. Earth Justice is a national legal nonprofit defending the environment and people's health. Earth Justice is fighting to save lives, protect our climate, and strengthen our economy through the shift to zero emissions. If clean air matters to you, visit us at earthjustice.org. Earth Justice, because the earth needs a good lawyer. As a veteran of the United States military, I can finally get the opportunity to enjoy special events, like a date with my wife, or going out together with my family and friends. Things that we couldn't afford, thanks to Ventix. Every empty seat at a concert, a game, motorsports, or a play is a missed opportunity to say thanks to a veteran and service member. We can help. We can give our veterans a special event where they too can create their own cherished memories. Find out how by visiting www.vettix.org. That's www.vettix.org. Find out how you can make a difference in a veteran's life. When I deployed, I didn't realize that even the air I was breathing was dangerous. Since coming home, I've watched friends get sick and struggle to get the support they deserve. But now, that's finally changing. We're eligible for new VA health care and benefits based on when and where we serve. Even though I feel okay, I'm going to apply for my sake and for my family. Learn more and apply today. Visit va.gov slash PAC. The voices in the night that cover the news of the day. I heard the voices too. Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. More of South Coast Tonight happens now on WBSM. I'm Chris McCarthy. Marcus is here as well, as always. Marcus, um, we'll hopefully have more Fairhaven candidates getting in touch with us. Yeah. You said that Will we? You, know, you know you have two coming in, right? Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, I can't. <laughs> Are you not hearing that? Um, I am. That's is, on your end because the mic, I can hear us. Is this moving? That's moving, yeah. Okay, then we're good. So, um, We'll have um, Ted Nisi joining us here in the next hour. Yes. Um, again, I think they do a really nice job. They have um, a very big uh, congressional race over there. Cicilline's um, stepping down. Yeah. So people are starting to flood into that race right now. The really, I guess, fortunate thing for the news business and for the competitive elections, the Speaker of the House over there had always been interested in going to Congress. Uh, Sketchichetti, I think his name is. I, I, it's a it's a brutally spelled name. Sketchichetti, something like that. It's so bad. Like some of these names, I, I really do think people lose elections on their names. 
I, I mean, right? Unless you come from some ethnic enclave that under, that's President, familiar with the name. President Dukakis. Michael Dukakis. President Dukakis. Can you... President Dukakis. No. President Bush, right? President Clinton. President Reagan. Right. President Dukakis. President Obama? I've, I've told this story. I don't know how he got over that, but he did. Tremendous... Personality. Yes, tremendous personality. So, um, so, so the... I told you, I told this story a few times, but it's always worth telling because there's always a new person listening. Yes. Um, uh, I met Mike Dukakis once. He went to UMass Law to give a speech about something that I do not remember. And that's why he lost the election. <laughs> and he, and he, uh, he apologized for the 1988 election. <laughs> he said, You really should have apologized for um, being Billy Bulger's stooge. Oh, yeah? Tell us more. So, Michael Dukakis was Billy Bulger's stooge. Billy Bulger ran him around. In fact, you can there are state police reports on Michael Dukakis ordering Massport people to bring police reports to his office um, when Whitey was caught trying to smuggle money through Logan Airport. Hmm. Billy Johnson was a Massachusetts state trooper. Um, he was later transferred. Um, out of that really cushy job because because he had interaction with Whitey Bulger and, and Whitey he got the better of Whitey and Whitey's brother went to Michael Dukakis and ordered to get the police reports and the, and the, from from the police and the, and he got them cool and uh, Billy Johnson uh, committed suicide actually so uh, we lost a good police officer uh, because of uh, the machinations of Whitey Bulger and how much power he really had and how weak Michael Dukakis really was. Um, Michael Dukakis is, um, doesn't owe us an apology. We're, we appreciate that um, he lost the election. Well, the outcome not of the everybody. world could have been unbelievable had Michael Dukakis been uh, awarded yeah. the presidency. Well, his, his logic was um, that if you, got, if you didn't get Bush one, you wouldn't have gotten Bush two. So, um, so who was his running mate? Uh, Lloyd Benson. Not a bad guy. Lloyd Benson was a senator from Texas. Yes. And his most famous, probably, political moment was on the debate stage with Dan Quayle when he said, um, Senator, you're no Jack Kennedy. I right? know Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy you was. Sir, a, no Jack Kennedy. Yeah. It was a pretty good line. It was because he was. Um, he, it, it was He's a, been practicing it for weeks. Yeah, it was. Well, well, he said, I mean, uh, Dan Quayle, because I guess maybe he kept saying it, he had as much experience as Jack Kennedy no, I, did. I, yeah, no. It, 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 and I Dan, mean, Dan Quayle was a senator from, from uh, Indiana. Indiana. Um, he also ran for president. Oh, yeah. And, and he, he didn't do well. But Quayle was um, probably, until Trump came along, was probably the most abused guy by the media ever. Yeah, yeah, that was the thing. They, yeah, everybody said he was stupid. Yet, yet, you'd have to look at those people that say he's stupid, right? It's, it's kind of interesting. Um, so, they handed him that card that had the misspelled word on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, oh. a potato, right? They handed, it was misspelled on the card they handed him. Oh, okay. So, I don't know about you, but I would think second, if I, someone hands me something written, I, I might notice it, you know, if it's my name that it's misspelled. But if you don't know, you don't know, right? So anyway, Quayle had, an, had, a, had a, a moment, 
a moment in time. But the media ran with it. Um, not a bad guy, but I don't I don't know what his major accomplishments were as vice president. But who knows what anyone's were? Uh, there isn't really. You worked pretty close with Kennedy in the Senate. I do know that. Uh, Ted Kennedy. Ted Kennedy. Yeah, right. he worked close with Ted Kennedy when he was in the Senate. I'm trying to, f- I forget exactly what it was, well, but Reagan then did a play on Lloyd Benson's uh, speech uh, when he was talking about Bill Clinton in the '92 election, because uh, Bill Clinton, I guess, kept saying he was the next Thomas Jefferson, and then Reagan given his advanced age, made a joke, said, well, I knew Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson was a friend of mine, and Governor, you're no Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, was it Reagan or Bush? But at the time, we actually, Reagan might have actually thought he knew Thomas Jefferson. So, he might uh, have even claimed it. <laughs> was Reagan, it was Reagan at the 1992 uh, Republican convention. I actually watched the whole speech. I remember he was asking people, he's telling people to vote Congress out instead of Bush, and that didn't work out. But uh, I will tell you that there's a great debate on television, on YouTube, you can find it, that it was all the Democrat candidates in the primary. That was a very big primary. Remember, the president was leaving. He'd been term limited out in 88. So you had a ton of Democrats running. Okay, yeah. And it was one night. It was the Democrats, or maybe it was the Republicans first, whatever. Because you also had an enormous field of Republicans. Mm-hmm. So they were all sitting around the table. All the Democrats. Then the next hour, it was all the de- Republicans, or vice versa. Um, it was um, a gentleman from CNN was one of the... Um, one of the uh, the hosts, and I, I think Ted Koppel maybe was one of the other ones, but really good, real the kind of discussion we don't have anymore right. in national politics. Really was good stuff, um, you know, throw weight of whistle of missiles, things like that. Right, really complex stuff. In fact, Scott Lang always jokes about it now because he was on the Senate floor for a lot of the arms control debates sure. as, as a staffer, and he goes. Because I know everything about missile, nuclear missile throw weights, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's the trajectory and how fast and how, how long they can go. Right. All of that kind of complex stuff that today the people in the media have just exercised out of the conversation. Yeah. Because they don't get it. Right. Then they say the politicians are, are, are behind, the, you know, they're not that bright. They're saying anything. You don't have honest questions. You don't have legitimate questions. They don't do their research. Right. That's my determination, Marcus, because as you and I both know, as we just had with, with with a woman running for school committee. It's up to us how the, how the conversation goes. Exa- yeah, right? right. They don't ask the questions, we do. Right. So when I hear these people, when I see the debates now in, in politics, I don't blame the people running for office. Yeah. It's the media. Really, really vapid questions lead to vapid conversations. Yeah. Right? That's why you go to the South Coast tonight. And that's why we, we have one of the best, Ted Nisi, coming up next. Right? Yeah. So we're going to take a uh, quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. I'm Chris McCarthy. As always, Marcus Farrow is here holding the fort down. Um, in the next hour, we'll be joined by Ted Nisi. He's got a really interesting story that, that's reflective, uh, that reflects right on um, New Bedford and uh, area towns around here and the lack of voter turnout. Mm-hmm. We know that doesn't mean you people, but you're going to enjoy it because you can see the bad behavior or the lack thereof of other people. Your Ted, neighbors. Ted's a fun guy to talk to. Ted's a good guy. Real good guy. So um, he's put a lot of work into this thing. I think you'll find it very interesting. So stick around for that. Then in the 9 o'clock hour, we'll be, of course, we'll be taking your phone calls at 508 996 We'll be talking more about the um, Mayor Mitchell 
versus Counselor Burgo. It's really exploded. I think so. Um, I was intrigued by uh, by Counselor Burgo's comments today.